Chapter 16 of A Gringo in Manana Land by Harry L. Foster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 16 A Long, Long Way to Costa Rica. Part 2. 5. A motor schooner was about to leave for Costa Rica. Its skipper was a Cayman Islander, a hard faced ruffian with a whisky shaded mustache, who might have passed for a white man were it not for his Jamaican speech its crew was composed of semi-naked blacks but all of them understood seamanship which was fortunate for the passing of the red bar at the mouth of the san juan is fraught with danger we crept out through a winding channel giant combers sweeping across the low sand-spit caught us broadside and turned the little craft until the gunwale dipped water again and again they piled us against the opposite bank while great sheets of spray broke over us and sizzled through the rigging the skipper braced against the wheel shouted orders that flew to leeward with the screaming wind the blacks seemingly unmindful of their peril leaned their weight upon their poles as they struggled to pry us loose while a dozen sharks cruised hungrily below natives affirm that the sea tigers gather about each passing ship and are seldom disappointed there were moments when it appeared that they might enjoy their accustomed banquet but at last we were safe and climbing up the mountainous waves toward the open sea while the boatmen raised lusty voices in a chanty of the old-time pirates and with a stiff breeze filling out sails we scudded southward toward costa rica the most charming land in the world six five years earlier i had visited costa rica after my flight from mexico and it was good to see it again we threaded our way among the reefs of limon harbour toward a sickle of white beach fringed with graceful cocoa palms in the distance rose lofty mountains verdant with forest and jungle towering up and up toward the filmy white clouds over it all was the bluest of skies this was the land which admiring spaniards years ago christened rich coast and no country has ever been more aptly named limon itself was merely an average east coast port a city of rickety wooden houses behind a large banana wharf with a population of jamaican blacks imported by the fruit company which owns this caribbean shore but the railway incidentally a fruit company possession and one of the three most famous scenic routes in latin america carried me inland through an ever-changing panorama of cane fields banana plantation thatched villages and untrammeled jungle through forests of magnificent big trees festooned with moss and vine through rugged gulches beside a foaming river up mountain sides where the stream dropped to a mere white ribbon far below along winding cliffs that looked out upon endless vistas of waving palm tops up into the exhilarating coolness of the altitudes among rolling hills of luxuriant coffee plantation past the red-tiled roofs of ancient cartago and down again into a fertile valley dotted with little farms into san jose the most delightful capital in central america a city of quaint spanish architecture yet with every modern comfort a quiet peaceful city slumbering beneath a warm sun that never burns a city with the loveliest climate the most attractive plazas and the most beautiful women in the world 
every town of any note in latin america claims these superlatives as its own every traveller i have met joins me in awarding them to san jose seven costa rica is not only the most charming country in central america but usually the best behaved so stable is its government that land upon the costa rican side of the san juan river is far more valuable than the same sort of property on the nicaraguan side it is one of the few countries south of the rio grande which can elect a new president without shooting the old one its leading families are so interrelated that the chief executiveship is largely a household affair as a general rule they take turns at it now and then when they do quarrel about it each family separates half of it taking one side and half the other so that everybody always wins and whoever gains the office rules ordinarily with consideration for the rest of the populace in many recent years there has been but one period of rough-house in its ordinarily tranquil history it was my fortune on my first visit to the republic to arrive just in time to witness its conclusion the conclusion of such a series of events as might have sprung from the pages of a novel by richard harding davis i landed at puerto limon just in time to see ex-president federico tinoco the last of the central american tyrants walk across the dock between two lines of fixed bayonets and embark for europe carrying with him the national treasury the story of tinoco would be much more typical of honduras than of costa rica as in tegucigalpa there were three contestants for the presidency in the election of nineteen nineteen no one of them gained an absolute majority congress forced to decide bickered as congress's will the president in office scenting possible trouble undertook to smooth the path of his own favorite by building up a stronger army at the head of it was federico tinoco a man of prominent family himself little known in costa rica except as a devotee of pleasure who spent most of his time in paris when the army was well organized tinoco cleared the whole situation by capturing the palace and declaring himself president thereupon he reorganized congress with his own personal friends and was constitutionally elected there were rumors as always in these countries that an american concession hunter financed the whole coup it is more probable that tinoco's family influenced the move federico the dictator was himself a weak timid vacillating man the real power behind the throne was a younger brother joaquin who became the secretary of war young cultured charming the handsomest man in a nation of handsome men joaquin was a striking figure everywhere magnetic beyond description he could in a five-minute conversation bring his worst enemy to his own point of view he had travelled throughout the world had been received in the most exclusive salons of many european capitals and spoke fluently several languages he could outride outwrestle outbox outfence and outswim any youth in the republic at philandering he was supreme now and then some outraged husband challenged him to a duel but joaquin could outshoot them all when there were murmurs against the high-handed methods by which the tinocos had obtained office he announced in congress if any citizen disapproves of it he can meet me man to man with revolvers 
secure in his power joaquin led the life of a young prince he designed strikingly beautiful uniforms for himself he gave many gay parties he himself never drank but there was always plenty of champagne for his friends he made costly presents to his women and not content with the local beauties he imported occasional high-class courtesans from overseas his extravagances proved a drain upon the national treasury when president federico protested joaquin quickly overruled him and federico despite his desire to execute honestly the duties into which family ambition had forced him proceeded to tax the country exorbitantly when the peons had no money left he took their oxen he confiscated the beasts under pretense of using them for the army but sold them to cattlemen in the west indies the reserves in the local banks he seized to pay the interest on the national debt at length he commenced to sell some of the art treasures in the national theatre it was his one remaining hope to secure a foreign loan before capitalists would listen to his pleas however he must secure the recognition of the american government in his efforts to win the favor of washington he used every possible device he extended every courtesy to american citizens he joined the united states in declaring war on germany he offered our war department the use of costa rica territory in the fortification of the canal zone his stumbling-block was benjamin f chase american consul in san jose in the absence of a minister mr chase was reporting to washington the current political history of costa rica being a stubborn sort of yankee he was reporting the truth even though the tinocos tried to make a pet of him having failed to bribe the consul according to rumors afloat at the time the dictator is said to have hired another gringo to shoot him several of the more loyal americans formed themselves into a guard at the consulate and the consul continued to send home unfavorable reports on the tinoco regime all costa rica murmured its discontent at the increasing taxation revolutions commenced to brew in the suppression of the uprisings joaquin introduced a reign of terror his spies were everywhere political opponents were thrown into old-fashioned wooden stocks and exhibited in public the prisons were filled according to reports prisoners were frequently beaten with iron rods and sometimes hung up by the thumbs many of the stories have the exaggerated ring of the yarns told about cabrera in guatemala they include those of a man burned in oil of gold teeth being extracted and resold to dentists and of a private swimming pool where joaquin after depriving his prisoners of water for forty-eight hours would march them out to see him diving and swimming in gallons of it the leading revolutionist don julio acosta had a force of two hundred men on the nicaraguan border but joaquin's army numbered about ten thousand the revolutionists had neither arms nor ammunition washington following its traditional policy of selling weapons only to constitutionally elected presidents whether they were crooks or not refused to sell to don julio insisting that he work out his own salvation indirectly it was tinoco's large army that caused his own destruction knowing that all costa rica hated him he had strengthened it with soldiers of fortune from nicaragua and honduras of the type who gravitate wherever there is trouble they must be paid 
all other government employees could wait the school teachers in protest left their schools and marched through the streets with their pupils emboldened by their example the letter carriers and the street cleaners followed when the police sought to disperse them the women cried we are your friends we are protesting against the cutting of your salaries to pay foreign soldiers and the police stood back while all san jose surged through the streets shouting down with the tonocos joaquin at the time was absent from the city hearing of the disturbance he hastened back and led his troops in person riding fearlessly into the mob some of the women and children were forced into the american consulate and surged upstairs to the balcony a young boy attempted a speech tinoco soldiers drew their rifles and fired the crowd fled back inside the building leaving consul chase alone on the balcony eleven bullet holes dented the stucco behind him but he was not harmed this was the beginning of the end joaquin quickly pacified the city for no one dared to face him but the old-timers suspect a little note came down from washington federico the nominal dictator made plans for an exit he handed his resignation to the vice-president who appointed him ambassador at large to europe with a salary of a hundred thousand dollars a year payable in advance all of his cohorts received similar appointments by a procedure which if unethical was quite proper according to international law until their salaries exhausted what little cash remained in the country joaquin the real dictator had no intention of fleeing with them whatever might be said of him he was no coward he meant to fight to the end but the end came unexpectedly he was strolling nonchalantly down the street one evening when a man saluted him always military joaquin snapped his own hand to his hat brim he did not observe that the other man had saluted with the left hand or that the right concealed a revolver as joaquin's fingers touched the hat brim the man shot him then he turned and ran up the street blazing into the air and shouting joaquin is dead costa rica lives the elder tinoco was at home in the castle when the news reached him seizing the telephone he called up the prison shoot every political prisoner he ordered but with the death of joaquin a change had come over the republic it was joaquin the people feared and not federico the order was not obeyed surrounded by foreign soldiers of fortune the ex-dictator emerged from the castle only to attend his brother's funeral then in a heavily guarded train he fled to puerto limon and sailed for europe as was my usual fortune in latin american travel i arrived just in time to hear the shouting and all costa rica was shouting when i drew any young man aside to ask who it was that shot joaquin he would glance hastily about to see that he was not overheard and then he would whisper shh don't tell anyone i did it but joaquin had his mourners every day several young ladies would visit his grave to deck it with flowers each glaring jealously at the others who loved his memory eight this story it should be emphasized again is not typical of costa rica although the second smallest of the central american republics it is the most progressive fortune favored it in the beginning by giving it few gold mines to attract to its shores the swashbuckling adventurer whose blood to-day keeps so many of the neighboring countries in turmoil 
it is essentially a country of coffee and bananas and so fertile that wooden railway ties and telegraph poles are popularly reputed to take root and grow it was settled not by conquistadores bent upon enslaving the indian but by galejos the hardest working farmers of spain who instead of mating with the aborigines followed the example of our own puritan forefathers by exterminating them Today, when one passes the black fringe of the caribbean coast one finds neither the indian population of guatemala nor the mixed breed population of the other countries but a race eighty per cent spanish even among the lowly peons not being troubled by recurrent civil war costa rica has made progress it is not an astounding country for most of its twenty three thousand square miles of territory are still clad with jungle and its population of four hundred thousand people live mostly in one mountain district where the four principal cities are connected by a wagon road not more than thirty miles in length but its people for the most part own their own farms and are contented education is of a higher standard than in the other countries there is railway connection with either coast it is such a healthful land that canal zone doctors always recommend it to convalescents it has a national theatre which equals in its interior decoration any theatre in the united states yet it remains quaint and picturesque and spanish charming and delightful so thoroughly charming and delightful that the author after living there for a month on two different visits discovers no further observations in his notebook nine to be fair to these countries no story of revolution is altogether typical of any of them life even in mexico or honduras is normally tranquil bloodshed and comic opera are not the rule but the exception if all of these republics have their turbulous moments they quickly recover after the flight of tinoco costa rica settled quickly into its accustomed routine through the narrow moorish streets the oxen plodded slowly behind the driver's goad pole their noses to the ground their massive shoulders swaying from side to side in the coffee fields outside the capital the peons laughed and chatted as they filled their baskets with red berries in the plaza the military band played on sunday evenings while youths and maidens strolled beneath the palm-trees and the same moon that smiled upon mexico peeped over the low flat roofs while the plaintive notes of the gendarmes whistle echoed through the quiet city with its benediction of all's well End of chapter 16, part 2